Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. As a former law enforcement officer, Adam Davis brings a unique perspective to resilience and adversity. Join Adam and host Doug Stringer as they share how surrendering to Jesus can lead to an unconquered and abundant life. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. I'm really excited today to have Adam Davis with us. We've gotten to know each other the last couple of years quite a bit. Of course, I've knew of him. One of the publishers that I've been working with has been so gracious with us, and many of you have been the beneficiaries of that as we've gotten quite a few of the behind-the-badge devotions for law enforcement that Adam Davis had put together, along with other devotions for first responders and military. Some amazing resources, and I'll share some of those in a bit. Adam is the author of the popular Behind the Badge law enforcement devotionals, and other devotionals for first responders and military personnel. He is an acclaimed author, speaker, and leader in the field of wellness, faith-based trauma, healing, and leadership development. His story of overcoming complex trauma himself and personal challenges has been widely praised by major media outlets such as Entrepreneur Magazine, Fox News, Huffington Post, PoliceOne.com, Law Enforcement Today, and many others. In fact, he's been on so many different networks. He's been on the Blaze Radio Network, Rick and Bubba Show. He's been on the 700 Club Family Life Today, the Glenn Beck Program, Team Never Quit podcast with Marcus Luttrell and many others. Of course, uh, Marcus and Morgan Luttrell are right up the road from us here. And in fact, I did the forward to Bo Walsh's book, and Bo was the Navy SEAL that recruited Marcus and Morgan Luttrell. So we have a lot of mutual friends as well. But Adam is not only an acclaimed author and speaker, he has the authenticity of a desire to see people's lives healed, especially in the area of first responders and law enforcement. But so many others have been the beneficiary of his message and ministry, as well as a person who has a passion and love for God. Adam, I wanted you to share a little bit about your story, your journey. Of course, we know you because of these behind the badge law enforcement devotions that are go like hotcakes everywhere I go across the country. I've seen people who aren't even believers in the Lord. They look at this, the feel of it feels like it's law enforcement. They peruse it and they begin to read it because it really helps them to begin to start their shift by reading their devotion for the day. And then you've done one also with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman on spiritual combat, 30 missions for victorious warfare amazing resource that people are loving. And of course, here's one that I found that a lot of law enforcement really love and military called Bulletproof Marriage. Oh, yeah. And that's a 90-day devotional that you did. Another one we used, in, they, they went quite well during the uh, fires in uh, Maui. A lot of the first responders and law enforcement really loved these prayers and promises for first responders. And so we were able to get those out there as well. We've become one of your biggest distributors and fans. I'm of so grateful. <laughs> it's such a tool. But Adam, <laughs> tell you. us a little bit about your story. First of all, you were in law enforcement. How'd you get involved in doing what you're doing now? I look at hard facts and hard numbers. And to this point, I can tell you that at a bare minimum, not counting avenues like interviews like this, podcasts, TV, radio, speaking engagements, just through book sales alone, we've had the privilege and honor to touch more than 170,000 lives since May of 2018. 
and and the majority of those being first responders and and military. But my story didn't start there. It started as a little boy whose parents divorced uh, when I was around five years old. And I'm going to make this really fast, so just roll with me. And they left me with an older male neighbor, uh, made sure I was fed, got to watch the good cartoons, Looney Tunes, I always like to say. That was the good cartoons. And then one day he put a VHS tape into a VCR. Uh, it was pornography. And so that was my first encounter, experience, exposure, whatever you want to call it, to pornography. And it wasn't long after that he began to do things to me that we were seeing on this TV screen. And I have vivid memories of those things. It doesn't affect me emotionally, uh, mentally, spiritually like it used to uh, because he has healed me. It took a long time to get to that point, but that lasted for a while. It wasn't just a one and done experience. Again, it would happen about 10 years later. Uh, when my mother remarried, she remarried a, a, a Pentecostal preacher. So I always jokingly say in my, in my live events, when I'm blessed to do that, as I, it felt like we were going to church 12 or 13 days a week because we were there all the time. And I learned a lot, uh, but there was a leader in the church. She was married in her thirties with children. And so I was left with her for her to babysit me. And so she would go from leading worship in the church to making me strawberry daiquiris with Bacardi. And then it turned into a sexual relationship. And there was so much manipulation and deception and grooming that went into that. And it's taken me decades to unravel all that and to see where all that was taking place. And then that would end when I was about 16 years old and I got married at 18. And this past Saturday, the 16th of September, we celebrated 23 years together and right. to God be the glory for that. So I got married. Uh, our first child would come along in early 2004. And I recognized that there was something really off inside of me. Like I had this deep, deep longing to be a good father. And I wanted to be a good father to my children to, or to my son at the time. But there was something off in what it was. And I didn't know it at the time. Was It was unforgiveness. It was really a lot of hate for all the people that had hurt me and allowed that to take place. So I began the journey of forgiveness. Then what I found was between the time I got married at 18 until I got into law enforcement, I was very unstable and unsettled because I was seeking fulfillment, a lot of different things. So I got into law enforcement in 2009, served as in night shift patrol, day shift patrol, traffic homicide, criminal investigations, uh, was trained as a hostage negotiator, uh, worked criminal intelligence, was an intelligence liaison and analyst. Somewhere in that journey, when I had felt like I going in, I felt like, man, I've, I've got this. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. You know, I'm checking the boxes. And I was checking boxes, but the things that I saw and dealt with in law enforcement alone for some are bad enough, but what it did was just amplify the brokenness that already existed. So I started drinking. Drinking was a great way for me at the time in my mind to numb what hurt until the point where I just became emotionally numb in general and seared conscious. I like to say that I was a good cop. I was probably really hard and really, really tough. If you saw me then and knew me then, you probably wouldn't even like me now because of who I was. And I was unfaithful to my wife. I was a drunkard, alcoholic, had a bad case of victim mentality. And I got to the place one day, I came home and took off my gear and sat down in a recliner, stared at a blank TV. And my wife and I ended up having an argument. I wound up leaving, stayed in a portable office building. And on a Sunday morning, 
when everybody was gone to church and I was living in my little portable building, I uh, got my uniform on and got in my patrol car and went to work and pulled my car into a parking lot of an old abandoned gas station, pulled out my sidearm with every intention of ending my life. What nobody knew until that point was the number of times I had thought about doing that because I was tired of hurting. I was tired of pain and fear and guilt and shame had had a, such a stronghold on me from a young age. And so I'd heard sermons, but I needed somebody to tell me how to be set free. Somebody to show me that there was a better way, a way of healing and a way of restoration instead of pretending this junk didn't exist, you know? I don't care about religion. I don't want your religion. Give me Jesus because Jesus set me free. Whenever I called out to God in a patrol car, and I was a very angry, hate-filled person, and I called out to God in a patrol car, and I said, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you can hear me, but if you have a plan or a purpose for my life, you can have it. Otherwise, I am done. And it was just that matter of a fact. It was probably a lot louder than that, but it was that matter of a fact. Doug, I have tried since 2015. I have written blogs, op-eds, books, uh, and a number of things that have never been published, roughly six and a half million words in about eight years. I have tried to convey the peace that I felt in a car that day, and I will never be able to adequately convey what this peace feels like. You have to experience it for yourself. And when I called on the name of God, he met me in a patrol car. I have been in church services where the power of God was so real. But he met me right where I was that day, and he redeemed me. He began a process of healing and restoration. Now, I had some things I had to do. I had to take accountability and own up to what I had done, and God restored my marriage. But then he called me to do something a little different. And so here we are. I left uh, law enforcement in the fall of 2015. We're nine books later, more than 170,000 lives touched that I can count. And I can't even count that high. It's just because people tell me that on paper from the publisher. So uh, I'm so grateful for these opportunities that I have a way to, to give my father in heaven glory, to bring him honor and hopefully continue to, to touch other lives with the testimonies given me and through the gift he's blessed me with. That's awesome, Adam. So I've watched some of your interactions and as you've been doing quite a few interviews across the country and you're in New York and, other places. And, you know, it seems like you and your wife are doing well. I'm sure she's happy to have a new man. Yes. <laughs> and now, how many kids do you have? We have three. Yeah. My oldest son now works with me full time. And so he helps in every work that we're doing. And then my my daughter or our daughter is, she's a senior getting ready to graduate next year and looking at going off to college, which Lord help me, strengthen me, give me wisdom. <laughs> And then my youngest son, uh, 14 years old, he's a hardworking, great, he is a sheepdog. He's got a sheepdog spirit about him, and he loves to, he is a protector by nature, so I'm trying to nurture that spirit in him and nurture the each of them differently. But, you know, and I still, I don't want you to think by for a moment that I have it all together, or that I'm perfect, or I've got it figured out. I have to surrender every single day to Jesus. I have to surrender to him every day. But our marriage is by far a billion times better than what it was then. And I have grown a lot in wisdom because of my experiences. And I'm blessed because I have a God that saw fit to fight for me and that I was worth healing. And so three children, uh, 23 years together and October 1st marks eight years doing this full time. So you wrote and published something called Unconquered and it's a book. In fact, we just ordered a case of those ourselves because I want to get those in the hands of some 
some law enforcement. We have a friend who's a psychologist and has a counseling center. I had been in the military. It was a part of 9-11, helping a lot of the PTSD and trauma for first responders in New York City. And we just quoted him recently because they have over 1,800 people on a waiting list for counseling just through their center. And that just goes to show the incredible need, especially when you're talking about military and first responders, law enforcement, it's hard to find people you can trust. And I would say that's probably true for a lot of pastors too. So tell us a little bit about your interactions there, because obviously your devotions have opened up a lot of opportunity for you to have one-on-one confidential conversations with military and law enforcement. Tell us a bit about what you're seeing out there, because if we're seeing just in one of our relationships has over 1,800 people on a waiting list for counseling, I can only imagine what's happening, especially with the culture that we're living in today, law enforcement and first responders. I wrote Unconquered because I know what it's like to sit with and what we what we call sit with your demons in the middle of the night. When you're sitting there with your face buried in your hands, you're wringing your hands, you're restless, you can't sleep, your body's responding to different experiences and encounters in ways that you really don't understand. I've been there. I wrote Unconquered because I know so many people fill church pews every Sunday and they listen to worship, they listen to good messages, and they still feel defeated. They're not going to tell you that, but they feel defeated. Goliath was a giant of his day. The giant of our day is chaos. It is trauma. And I'm here to lock arms with my brothers and sisters who are called to do the same work, and we're here to destroy that giant. We're not backing down. And I began to write behind the badge because I wanted to deliver bread and cheese to my brothers on the battlefield. When he called me to do something different, which I have missed that work ever since I left, I love them. I love them dearly. I love my brothers and sisters in law enforcement. And that's why I created this to to give it to them. Because I remember where I was and I was looking for something that was written from somebody that had been in my boots, somebody that had felt what I had felt, who had had some of the same thoughts I had thought, who felt dirty when you had to fight someone because you're not supposed to talk a certain way or do certain things. I learned the unconditional love of a father in law enforcement of my heavenly father. I already knew the unconditional love of my earthly father, but the unconditional love of a heavenly father, I discovered it in law enforcement. I remember a number of times when I would be in a situation and I would just be done and I would feel so filthy because of what I had to deal with. And he was like, there's nothing you can do to change my love for you. There's nothing you could do to change my love for you. So that was one of the reasons why I wrote Behind the Badge. Who is going to speak up for us in this hour? And I felt called to do it. And God has blessed the response to that call. And he's blessed it tremendously. But when I wrote Unconquered, I wanted people to have a practical application of looking at God's word, looking at my testimony, looking at their own stories and seeing they can overcome anything. They can beat it. You don't have to be victim to it. But I also think that there's a lot of times to where we get our focus so tuned in on the pain that is in our lives that we exalt it to a place of it being an idol, of it being a God, a little G, because we talk about that more than we talk about the healer. We talk about that more than we talk about the deliverer. For me, it meant to give honor to the one who set me free. And so this is my testimony. The God's word says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so unconquered is my way of punching the enemy square in the mouth and letting him know he's tried to kill me, but my father has sustained me and he makes sure that my feet will not slip at any turn. So I'm here to not only 
share my testimony, but I put the unconquered code together so that other people who have these secret pains or who may go through things in the future, that they know that there's a better way. Jesus, Jesus said that, you know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We can never have that abundant life if we're trying to carry the baggage of pain of yesterday. Trauma, pain, abuse, it doesn't matter. My heart aches that you had to go through that, but so does your heavenly father. His heart is compassionate towards you, and he's loving, and his kindness is what draws us back to him. And he wants to set you free from that so you can walk out your fullness of purpose and see what the life to the fullest looks like. And so that's one of the reasons why I wrote it. I was thinking about even how in one of your devotions for one of the days in your 365-day Behind the Badge devotional, this one, Peace in the Raging Storm, says, while we know God is with us in all we do, he expects us to use our faith. And you go on to use an example of a king, and you talk about how that king, when he was outnumbered, and, and that was called often outnumbered, never outsmarted, there was a prophet in Second Kings chapter 6, verse 16, and it says he recognized he was not alone. So you give these, these tidbits of encouragement before they go on shift that doesn't just help them for that shift, but probably helps them for their everyday life. And then, of course, your bulletproof marriage, it helps so many uh, yeah. dealing with the conflicts and challenges in marriage because of the pressures they live under every day. I wrote behind the badge and I have been criticized by a religious crowd because it's not deep. It's not uh, expositional or, you know, I'm not diving deep into scripture, but I wrote it in a way that was very strategic. I wrote this for cops and this is not me saying that law enforcement officers are not smart or they can't read at not at all. I know, number one, that they're busy. And I know, number two, that most of us have a very short attention span when it comes to stuff like this. So I wanted to whet your appetite to long for the things of God. A lot of times our appetite is filled with the things that are convenient. And so I want—I wrote behind the badge in a very brief way. You can read it in about 78 seconds. And I had a trooper from a state who I was talking to and, and sort of mentor. And, and I said, Hey, how you, you know, have you read behind the badge yet? He was like, Oh man, I just, I hadn't, I hadn't had time. I've just been so busy. I'm like, really? You're so busy that you can't spend a few minutes with God. And he was like, man, you just don't understand. I said, do you have one minute like right now? And he was like, yeah. I said, pull out your timer on your phone. And so I literally read it and I said, all right, now what's it say? He said, 78 seconds. I said, you're telling me that you advocate for wellness and you can't spend 78 seconds getting your heart prepared for the day. And he accepted the challenge from that day forward. So I think that we have to look at what are we hungry for? What are we hungry for? A lot of times in law enforcement, we're so busy with dealing with the work that we're called to do that we don't even have time to stop and think, what is my spiritual appetite? So I wanted to create something that would lead them down that road. And now I'm working on some other projects that hopefully will give them a little bit more meat and we'll see where God takes that. For those critics out there, because literally every page is riddled with scripture yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and prayer. You'll love this story. There was a, a national organization that we were working with and they had asked if I could help them get uh, some behind the badges for quite a few of their state troopers in their state. And so we did. And he went through a lieutenant and also oversaw a lot of the recruits and also the graduates at the state troopers there in that particular state. And he sent me the message, I don't consider myself a religious person, but reading through the devotion, I realize 
all of my recruits and all of my new graduates can really use this. He wasn't going to admit he needed it, but obviously he had to peruse it to approve it. And he wanted one for all of his graduates. And so I'm thinking, in fact, another deputy sheriff friend of mine, and we would do a lot with doing things with police and clergy. He was with the, the sheriff of his county and also with the chief deputy as well. He was put, taking out some of the behind the badge and bulletproof marriage and some of the other ones that we'd given him. And all of a sudden, these people came over and they were actually part of the schism after a death of a deputy sheriff. And this one officer came over and said, started taking pictures of the behind the badge and, and the first response. <laughs> I know what you're talking <laughs> He goes, and he goes, I'm going to, I got to get this picture. He goes, I just met with, with Adam Bucky's in Texas. So he was all excited that he saw the actual devotions after meeting with you. Yeah. And, and I've got a lot of law enforcement officers all over the country, but Texas is very rich with people who men and women who have followed my work from the beginning. And I'm so grateful. And he's one of those that, that, that trooper is one of them. And I'm so grateful for every one of you and for you and your whole team and for everybody else that saw fit to, to put these hands, uh, put these books in the hands of men and women who serve in law enforcement. You know, I may never know the magnitude of one step of obedience, but I'm so grateful for the potential. And so thank you for what you're doing and thank you for having, you know, giving me an opportunity to share my heart a little bit and, and for sharing those resources, I'm speechless. I really am. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that except thank you. You know, with all the national attention about the U.S. border, last year we actually did a day to uh, to appreciate Border Patrol and law enforcement and first responders, and and we gave out a couple hundred of your of each of the behind the badge as well as the other ones. Every day, first responders, law enforcement, military, they go through internal and external stresses. Absolutely. And there is a battle going on all the time on the inside and marriages are affected and and it's exasperated with all the tension, the political jockeying going on on the border. And yet they're trying to do their job. Amazing how many of them really gravitated to your devotions and thought, wow, people really care about us because in the midst of a culture where they feel like they've been kicked under the the bus, they've been kicked, kicked to the curb. And yet there is an element of people they know really do care about them, pray for them, support them, do days like we did to help them at at the same time, uh, getting resources that they can relate to in their hands. So thank you, Adam, for I'm sure a few years ago, you didn't uh, think and even realize where it was going to go. And the the synergy of what's taking place, just one devotion, the people that care who give those devotions out, who spend time with them. I think the it's it's far larger than we maybe even know on paper. I believe you're correct. I've always been challenged. I, I challenge myself. I don't want to embellish my story. I don't want to embellish the numbers. I also don't want to give you graphic details. I share what I you know what I can, and and I don't want to embellish the numbers. So I go with a conservative number. <laughs> and I had a I had a chaplain from Texas tell me. He said you know, that's probably closer to about a million people that you've reached for, for God's kingdom. And so he started breaking down for every book that's sold an average of three people read it. And then, you know, I don't know, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I've been blessed to go and speak to NYPD this year and speak for LAPD, LA County Sheriff, LA County Fire, LA Fire, Columbus, Ohio, and a lot of places in between. I'll be heading to 
Little Rock, Arkansas next week, uh, here coming up, and then Kansas City, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama. God has blown open doors for me all over the country, and I'm very grateful for that. I can't say that enough, and I'm taking this message called Live Unconquered uh, to law enforcement. I've been in business uh, organizations, churches, and it's all for his glory, and so it's uh, it's a very unique opportunity that we're in to see the amount of adversity that we face on a lot of different fronts as a country, but then what's going on just beneath the surface as we begin to feel it rumble beneath our feet. And that is the presence of a living God beginning to move across this country in a way that I don't believe we've seen in our generation. I think we may have an idea. We may think we've seen it, but we've never seen what we're about to see happen in our country. You may call it revival. Some may call it something else, but God is doing something that seeds have been planted for years underneath the surface and we can plant the seed, but he's responsible for the harvest and harvest time is coming. I promise you, I feel it down in the bones of my, like in, in my soul, in the depths of my soul, God is getting ready to do something. And I hope that stirs hope in your hearts as well. Amen. I know you're sensing it deep in your spirit about God's moving, but how do you see things right now in the context of the culture we're in and so many first responders that are needed more than ever? Uh, how do you see the church's role in helping to bring a semblance of healing and hope and coming alongside to serve our first responders? You know, what I see going on right now is an enemy that hates men and women who put on a uniform. I know that sounds maybe a little odd, okay, but he hates what you stand for, and he hates God's children, period, because, I mean, think about it this way. I was just on an interview with uh, with Rick and Bubba from the Rick and Bubba show, and Rick Burgess was sharing with me this story, and I'm going to hack it up horribly, but think about why the enemy attacks God's children so much, because the father kicked him out, him and all of his angels, right, kicked him out of heaven. And so what's the only way that he can get back to him? Attack his kids. And woe on him when God gets ready to fight back and when he does fight back for you in your life. And so what you see going on is what do law enforcement officers stand for? Order. They restore order. They stand for enforcing the law. It may not be laws we agree with or like, but they do their job. Restore order and uphold and enforce the law. So what does the enemy do? He is all about, the definition of evil is chaos. It brings chaos. And so you see chaos all through our country. You see it in politics. You see it in media. You see it in entertainment. You see it in all these different places, even within the church in some places. There's chaos. That is the presence of the enemy. So the law enforcement officer's job is to come in and restore order. So this is something happening on the natural, in the physical that we see that's been going on in a spiritual warfare area, I believe, uh, for a very long time. It hasn't just started. It hasn't just begun. For me, I believe the church has a responsibility to make a place to make sure that they are ministering, intentionally ministering to those who serve our communities. I firmly believe that as the church, we will be held responsible and held accountable for how we treat those who serve us. And to say that, well, they have a security team and that's their small group, that's a cop-out. We have to be willing to say, how do we speak to these men and women in a way that will pierce their hearts with the gospel? 
How can we get related? How can we relate to them? How can we build relationships with them? We do a phenomenal job feeding the homeless. We do a phenomenal job taking care of the shut-ins and the orphans. We do a phenomenal job of going into the jails and into the prisons and ministering. But what about the men and women who serve our communities? Let me tell you something. If you want to know the definition of love, look at Jesus on the cross. That's love. But a, a, a modern day example of that love is men and women who get up every single shift and they put on a uniform and they go serve a community where people have already said, I hate you. I don't want you. I don't want to see you succeed. I don't love you. We don't want anything good to ever happen to you. That is love. How do we get behind that? How do we get behind that? And so that's been one of the things that's been a heavy burden on my heart is how can we partner with churches to say, we're going to take this burden off of you. How can we lock arms with you? We're not here to compete with you. We're not here to build my kingdom. I'm here to build, build the kingdom of my father. This is not about my name. What can we do? How can we lock arms with you to minister to these men and women? That's the most important thing right now, because let me tell you, the church is not going to be able to go into some parts of every community. All right. These men and women who get up every day and put on a uniform and respond to calls can become an extended arm. They can become the hands and feet of a loving father. They can become the hands and feet. Who would you rather have respond to you on your worst day? I know I wouldn't have wanted my cynical self showing up. I was a good cop, but compassion I lacked. I want somebody who's going to demonstrate love and compassion to me if I need help. I mean, I want you to do your job. But I want people to go out into these places and build relationships to get to know people in the community and be a light, be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we exponentially increase the reach of the church. That is that is American missionaries like exponentially increased. And we've got to take care of our country. And this is a great way to do it. So many others that are dealing with the issues of facades that people have to put on because they, they're under attack so much. Yeah. They put on a compensatory facade. They were compensating on the outside for the hurt or the challenges on the inside. But these are human beings that these are fathers, these are mothers, these are husbands and wives. These are people that live in our communities who happen to put on a uniform every day and make a decision to go out and put themselves in harm's way for the sake of bringing law and order. You kind of talked about the spiritual combat. In fact, you wrote a devotion with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman on spiritual combat. There is a spiritual context to what's going on and helping our first responders and those who put on a uniform understand that they're not alone. And that's why I think that even those that we work with that are chaplains or those that work in peer support and different law enforcement around the country, when they have one individual in that community, or like in Port Ritchie, one individual, a pastor or a chaplain who's got the blessing of their pastor to come and serve, not trying mm-hmm. to usurp, but to come serve, it opens up so much opportunity because now they found someone they can trust. That's right. It's, it's an issue of finding people they can trust, pastors and chaplains and and those that are serving in that capacity, when when you make yourselves available and that trust part comes, it opens right. up so many other opportunities yeah. that there's not enough people that they want help. They want people to come alongside. They I've been around some of the hardest people in military or law enforcement. And at first they're kind of resistant. They put that facade up. But when mm-hmm. they see you consistently there, that you're available, you don't want anything from them. 
The next thing you know, they begin to open up in private and they begin to, to share their hearts and personal lives and ask for prayer. I think that's a great opportunity. It works hand in glove to have the church community working with law enforcement and saying, look, Absolutely. we're here. For you. Look, we're not compromising. You know, if there's a lack of character, we need to deal with it. But right. at the end of the day, that you're not our enemy. We're here to work together because we care about the community. We need to bring law and order. And you talked about that because anarchy in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and lawlessness comes from the lawless one, the enemy, the yes. devil. Of course, there's so much anarchy taking place today because to unleash this lawlessness, it has to also unravel those who are supposed to keep the truth and the law and order. 100%. So actually, we have to come alongside those who are professing the gospel truth. We need to come alongside those who are assigned to bring law and order and civility in our communities. Adam, what are some of the things that you see or challenges right now in helping with our first responders? I think there's a lot of confusion between separation or freedom of religion and freedom from religion. You know, we have the freedom to go out and share the gospel. And there is an increasing uh, amount of confusion among the fact that we have the freedom to go out and share the gospel. So I've packaged a talk in a way that I could go into a government agency and I can give training and it's not a sermon, which I don't, I don't really give sermons, but I can go in and I can give training. And then I can say, if you want to learn more about what it means to live unconquered, come see me afterwards one-on-one and happy to do that. And that's been a, uh, an incredible response to that. But I think some of the biggest challenges that we face are competitiveness within the kingdom, competitiveness among various ministries and organizations. I refuse to compete with my brothers and sisters who are alongside trying to do the work of my father. I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. I'm here to make sure that my name is on the most wanted list on the walls of hell. And I'm here to make sure that every man and woman knows that I think everybody knows the sin in their life. Even if they pretend they don't, they know the sin in their life. They know that there's an eternal damnation. There's an eternal hell. But they need to know that there's a heavenly father who's not waiting with his hand on a red button to beat them up when they've messed up. There is a love and a mercy and a grace available for you. And it is his loving kindness that causes to repentance. And I'm not saying to shy away from a message and a call to the altar. But I think that we have to come together and say what are the essentials that we are going to come together on? What are the absolute fundamentals that we agree on that we can unite together on and lock arms in line shoulder to shoulder with that we can advance for the kingdom of God together with? There is so much division among the body of Christ in our country today. There's division not only in politics, not only at any other level, but also within the body. And I think that this is a call that we come back, we repent, first of all, we do what we've got to do to find healing in the body so that we can advance. We will never live unconquered if we can't surrender to the one who came to redeem us and set us free. And that's something that we can't just do one time in a beautiful church service. It's something we have to do every single day, every breath, every moment. And we have to look at what do we have to do? What is my job as a part of the body? How can I be obedient to the Father today so that I could advance the kingdom of God in what I'm supposed to do, where I'm planted? And that's what I feel like one of the greatest challenges is. How do we overcome the, the attacks of the enemy? How do we overcome the confusion that he's trying to stir among us? How do we defeat the division? Unity is beautiful. 
We need more unity. We need to fight for each other, not like cannibalizing ourselves from within. That's not only an issue within corporate cultures or even law enforcement culture. That's an issue within law, within uh, the body of Christ, within churches across the country. And so how do we fix that? And it's get back to a place where our hearts are not hardened against the father, where the hearts are tender towards him and they're softened towards him. And where we, again, are, are grieved because of the things that grieve his heart and where we no longer try to debate theology with each other, but we see his word, we see what we're going to agree on, and we're going to fight together to advance and lift up the name of Jesus and point people to him. In 2019, I sat down with a group in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, that offered me seven figures if I would remove the name of Jesus, remove any mention of scripture, remove the mention of God from any of my work. In my 20s, I was bankrupt twice. When my wife was pregnant with our third child, I was unemployed. I'd been fired from a job. I wasn't in law enforcement yet, and she couldn't work because of pregnancy complications. In my 20s, before our third child came along, I cut grass. I washed cars. I scooped horse stalls. I cleaned horses. I did whatever I had to do. God met every single need we had. I am not in a position or willing or desire to. I do not have a price. Let me promise you this. If you have a price to sell out, the enemy knows that price, and he's going to send somebody with a check to meet that price. If you have a price, you are a sellout. And this is a season we don't need cowards to call themselves Christians because cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a season for the courageous to rise up. If you've been wounded, then let the heavenly healer touch you in, in the depths of your souls. Let him touch you and let him heal you. This is a season for the men and women who have called on the name of Jesus for decades to now arm themselves with the word of God, be filled with the spirit, and to advance for the kingdom against darkness. This is a season for the cowards to sit on the sidelines or repent and be courageous and take action. This is not a season for the meek. This is not a season for the cowards. This is a time for us to take up our armor and fight back against the evil in the world. And how do we do that? We don't fight the same way the world fights. We don't fight with the same weapons the world fights with. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And so we have to understand the battle we're up against and then pray and seek God and ask him, what action would you have me take? So I feel like the greatest battle that we face is division among the body. You are also a spokesman for Reboot Recovery First Responders, which is a nonprofit that focuses on providing faith-based trauma healing for first responders and service members. So trust gives access yes, sir. into people's lives. So once trust is built and you've been giving a tangible expression of the gospel, you know, it's not one thing that we propagate in a way that, you know, overtakes people, but we want to be a tangible expression of Christ by serving. And as we serve, Trust is built and it gives access, access to be able to share from our hearts and it helps to change minds when they begin to see that we're not just a bunch of hypocrites. Really, the original Greek word for hypocrite was the ancient word that came for play actor, stage actor. Mm -hmm. So it's a person who pretends to be something. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to be pretend to be something. We want to give a tangible expression of Christ's love to the community. As we serve, then there is a trust that's built that gives access to conversations and access to people's hearts and minds to be able to share what is it about us? They want to know what's, what is it about you that wants to serve? As a spokesman for Reboot Recovery for First Responders, that would seem to be an important factor of 
getting with people who are desperate, but also needing to find people they can trust to give access to know how to minister to them. How did you get involved with that, with Reboot Recovery First Responders? It's really strange. It was um, a a man and woman, a wife, a husband and wife team that uh, came across my work several years ago. And they reached out to the co-founder and uh, co-founders of Reboot Recovery and said, y'all need to partner with Adam to help get the word out about what you're doing for first responders. And so uh, last year I went on a tour with them to, uh, I think, five city tour. Um, to diff- uh, I forget even which cities it was. And I got to go out and, and kind of share a little bit uh, about my testimony and the message that I've been given for this time. And speaking to the hearts of first responders. And I'll tell you this, I know that it's not very common to hear, especially men to get up and share about some of the things that I talk about very openly, but I do it for a very strategic reason. And that is because it tears down walls and that testimony has torn down a lot of walls of people who are sitting in a live audience so that whenever I do present my message that he's given me to share in a very unique way, that their hearts are prepared for that. For me, working alongside other organizations like Reboot Recovery or now my own nonprofit, the Live Unconquered Foundation, has positioned me to be able to reach a lot more people. So I go out and I just tell people, hey, if you're looking to start a small group in your community for first responders, they have this phenomenal resource and I believe in what they're doing. Um, and I think you need to probably check into what they've got going on, see how you can use it in your community. But I know first responders, law enforcement officers have busy schedules. If they're not at work, they're in court. If they're not in court, they're at home. And if they're not at home, they're in training. So they're doing one of those four things most of the time. And so how can we find to to find a way to fit into their busy schedules to be significant enough so they want to invest their time and energy into their eternal hope and to replacing what is wounded and what is broken with healing. And, and it's just getting their attention through that and creating a place where someone who has been through that or been through similar situations, picks this up, picks the torch up and says, I'll lead the way. And, you know, Evan and and Jenny and their entire team have done a phenomenal job reaching combat vets. They got a general trauma group. Now they've got uh, the first responder training that they do. And it's incredibly powerful. I know that it's not uh, as prevalent as they like it to be yet, but it's growing rapidly. And so I'm very grateful for that relationship and for the work that they're doing for the opportunity to, to share about it here. One of our advisors for our ministry is a retired major general army, and they've got a few hundred acres now up in Virginia, uh, helping with special military who've gone through PTSD, et cetera. I was on the board of the PTSD Foundation of America, and we see the things that that you're doing and so many others are doing that it's so overwhelming because I think it just compounds or at least it exposes the compounded need of the amount of PTSD that first responders, law enforcement, military carry every day. It's not oh, yeah. something you just, you know, you just take off every day, like a uniform. You're carrying what you see, You're and there has to be an outlet. And I think more and more realizing that we have to have a way to express or a place to, as an outlet. I saw a guy at the gym the other day, and his back of his big hoodie said, the gym is my psych ward. 
And, and I get, we <laughs> I need like to that. find an outlet, don't we? And so <laughs> yeah, it, with the increase of ministries like yourselves and others and the need for like uh, even the peer support and uh, these other things that are going on in chaplaincies and ministries that are working together to serve law enforcement and military, it just shows how the compounded need is there of this exasperated situation of internal conflict external stressors, and they have to carry that every day. How do you see organizations that are working together as uh, in a greater way? Are, does the need get to be greater? Or do you think that we're at a place now where we can empower the organizations that are already there? Or do you see there's more of a need for people to get engaged? I feel like we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of the need. Five years ago, I was ringing a bell, and as were many others, I'm not the only one, but I was ringing a bell that this is going to be a major issue if we don't address it properly. There's a lot of people doing a lot of really good things. There's a lot of therapists that are doing phenomenal work, a lot of counselors that are doing phenomenal work, and I praise God for them because God used a trauma therapist to work in my life uh, back in 2021. First time I'd ever talked to a therapist in my entire life, <laughs> and so I'm grateful for them. But I also believe that if I come to you and I deliver principles and lessons and teachings, that is good. That's good. I mean, it's it's needed. I think a lot of times we want to pretend that the power of God is something that we experience only on Sunday. I come to you unashamedly, uncompromisingly, unwilling to compromise the name of Jesus. Because when I called on him at the end of my rope, ready to end my life, nobody else showed up for me. It was him. And so I think you need to know what you believe, what you're willing to fight for, and how can we come together as organizations? The church plays a major, a critical role in this, in this day and time, in this hour. And this is a call to rise up and be a part of this. So how can we find cohesiveness among uh, different organizations, different belief systems? How can we find unity among all these different things? Because the need is not going away. Though the numbers in law enforcement may have dwindled and a remnant remains, there is a phenomenal need among all first responders. And so how are we going to do that? I believe that you know what you stand for, but have your convictions, be unwilling to compromise those convictions, and operate in a way that you bring both truth and grace to the table at the same time. Mm -hmm. And how do we bring truth and grace to the table at the same time? My pastor said it very well. He said, a lot of times we believe that we would bring truth to the table, that grace is not invited. And that's when we have issues where we can't have conversations, but there's just confrontation. And so we want to bring truth and grace to the table at the same time. And if we want to see people uh, healed, and we want to see people that are restored. We want to see people empowered to continue to walk in their purpose, and then the calling that God has put on their life, especially as first responders. I believe we have to look at how do we lock arms together? How do we do this together? What does that look like? We can't look at other organizations and compete with anybody else. We have to focus on the task at hand. What is the job that we have been given to us right now in front of us, and what are we going to do with that? And focus on your job, focus on what you've been called to do and stay in your lane and do what you've been called to do. And that's what I've been trying to do. You know, there used to be a time where I said, I want to see one of my books become a New York Times number one bestseller. I want to have 20 books on the market before I hang up writing. And I'll tell you today that my heart has been shifted tremendously over the past several months. 
And my heart now is I want to just be obedient to my father. If he calls me to write 20 more books, then so be it. If he calls me to sit down and be quiet, then so be it. That's going to be hard to do, but I'll do it. If he calls me to become a supporter, I'll be a supporter. Whatever he wants me to do, I want to do that because I would rather be obedient than anything else. So how do we look at what we've been given to do for this season and do it to the best of our ability and be obedient to him? That's what I think we need to do. And I think when organizations come together and do that, because there's a lot of people out there doing great work, phenomenal work, a lot more than there were even five years ago, and it's going to continue to grow. So it it can become very noisy and very cluttered. How do we stay focused and stay professional? How do we remain operating in the love of a living father? How do we do that? We stay focused on what he's called us to do. Worry about the next step. Focus on the next step. Don't worry about it. Focus on the next step that he's called you to take. And don't worry about all the stuff going on around you. That's right. Adam, as you pray for law enforcement and for those who serve alongside and to undergird and encourage law enforcement and first responders, tell people how they can get a hold of you as well to find out more about Living Unconquered. You can email me. I invite you to reach out to me, adam at liveunconquered.org. I would love to hear from you. You can visit my website, liveunconquered.org or theadamdavis.com. I'd love to connect with you uh, outside of this. Books are anywhere you can buy a book, I'm sure. Uh, really, I know they're on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, so uh, very grateful for this opportunity, Doug. Thank you so much. Uh, this blesses me more than more than I can express. Well, why don't you pray for those who serve and partner with and, and bring encouragement to law enforcement and pray for first responders. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you first and foremost for your son, Jesus. I thank you for what he did on the cross and for the blood that he shed for me. Thank you that you have given us everything that we need to overcome the evil in this world. Thank you for your word, Father. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It gives us correction. It gives us life. It gives us encouragement. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which gives us revelation of your word, your comforter the comforter that abides within us. Thank you for the power, for the infilling, so that we can overcome all things in this life. Thank you for that. Today, I thank you also, Father, for my friends, uh, Doug and his team at Somebody Cares and everybody that's represented on this call, every law enforcement officer, every leader, every first responder. God, thank you for every person who has answered the call to serve in their community. And I ask today that you would stir in their hearts and their souls encouragement, that you would move in them, that you would strengthen their minds and their bodies and their spirits, that you would move in their homes and their families, that you would touch their marriages, that you would touch their children, that you would make sure that every practical, tangible need is met. Because I know so many are struggling right now, God, and I ask that you move in a way that meets those needs. But most of all, God, I pray that you draw their hearts close to you because if our bellies are full and our souls are empty, we have lost it all. And I pray that you draw their hearts to you, God, that you minister to them right where they are. If it's in the middle of day shift or in the middle of night shift, if it's on a call, that you give them guidance around dark corners, that you let them know that you are with them. And just like you did me, remind them that there's nothing they can do to change your love for them. I know you're no respecter of persons, and I pray that you give them the same peace that you've blessed me with, and I pray that you embrace them with the arms of love that you've wrapped around me right where they are. My greatest desire is that men and women come to know your son, Jesus, and the peace and the love and the healing that he brings and the fruits of that relationship. 
And I ask that you bring men and women who serve in our communities to you, that you draw them to you. And I pray for those who have been called to support and to minister to, uh, to first responders across our country. And I ask that you strengthen them. I know that it's a battle. And I know there's times when it can be discouraging. And I know it can be hard. Even our pastors, Father, I pray that you stir in their hearts a fresh hunger for you. Awaken, awaken, awaken every pastor, every church across this country so that there's no longer somberness among us, but there's celebration, there's joy, there's excitement among us because of the things you're doing. We will celebrate and praise you in advance because of what you're doing. And I thank you, Father, that the enemy is defeated. Satan, you are on notice. You have no authority over our cops. You have no authority over our deputies. You have no authority over our first responders of any kind. You have no authority over our pastors. You have no authority over the men and women who have answered the call to serve first responders. You are defeated. You are defeated, and the blood of Jesus is the line in the sand, and you can't touch them. And I ask that you move in a way, Heavenly Father, so that the enemy is bound, that he is defeated, that he remind, he's reminded of his defeat. God, I thank you today for victory in the hearts and lives of men and women across this country. Would you start at whichever end you see fit, the east, the west, the north, or the south, and sweep this country with the love of your love that you've shown me? with the peace that you've shown me, that you bind the hands of the enemy, and that you cause us to be victorious for your kingdom in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you for it. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805 422 7348. Please join us again for a word in season with Doug Stringer and friends.